This morning's Dharma talk is titled Parikalpita. Parikalpita is a Sanskrit word that means the imaginary or the imputed. And it comes from a teaching, basically comes out of Prajnaparamita literature. It may be in early Indian teachings. I didn't do any research in that area. <clears throat> and it was uh, picked up by the Vijnanavada school, or uh, Yogacara sometimes more popularly called, consciousness only, perception only, just a way of talking about consciousness and about thinking and just being a human being and what that entails. And it's a very simple teaching that someone somewhere along the line, understanding what emptiness, what was meant by the teaching of emptiness or shunyata, and broke that down into concepts so that we could better approach uh, the way we confuse ourselves, the way we, the way we take the, the first confusion that comes up, just something being over there, and then convert it into something even more threatening or accommodating. So Pari, uh, Pari Kalpata is the imaginary nature, and this is part of what's called uh, Trisvabhava, Tree, it's hard for me to say that, just string all those consonants together, but tree, svabhava. Uh, tree meaning three, and svabhava meaning uh, being or existence. So three existences, the three ways in which there's some kind of beingness happening. There's uh, uh, parikalpata, which is the imaginary imputed nature. There's uh, Paratantra, which is the dependently arisen. Uh, and there is the, uh, it's called the perfected nature, or Parinishpana. And so the way those work, excuse me, uh, the way those work is things arise, and then we add on to them. So things arise, Paratantra, they just arise impersonally. And then we have ideas and thoughts and opinions and pushes and pushing and pulling. Nuno and I were talking about uh, probably a pretty good, good example of this, of imagining something that, is, that has a strong imagine, imaginary quality to it, but it's fundamentally not really particularly true. So it's more paratantra. It can be seen through a little bit. And we do this to such extremes that we really attach to what we think is true. In such a way, it's called an opinion, an idea, a bias, or something. And this goes so far back, you could say it goes into other, uh, don't particularly, I'm not particularly here to uh, promote past lives or the belief or disbelief in anything. I would say, don't take any position on anything. Not necessary to do that at all. So, things arise, we make up stuff about it, can't leave it alone. And the one the example that Unyo and I were talking about, uh, and you probably already thought of this, but those of you, is anyone that has not been here and participated in Oryoki or the stylized meal of eating with three bowls and shop, anyone who has not done that? Okay, so everyone here has done that. So the as you know, um, have three bowls, and it's quite ritualized, and it's a strong... A practice where you do it with a certain form and it's all about training the mind it's all about doing something in such a way over and over and over again so what arises around the forms is the awareness and what arises around the forms is how how you never can quite repeat anything you never get good at anything uh, 
even great writers, great musicians are always working on, always, uh, you could say, perfecting. Because it's relative truth, they're always perfecting something. And how do you do that? Look at the way it's not perfect. A little bit different here when we're talking about this spiritual spiritual path instead of a highly sophisticated, mundane path like learning to play violin. <laughs> Excuse me. So the example we were thinking about is when you're all through eating and you've gone through the three bowls and you've been fed in a ritualized way and you bowed and, and you hold your, your bowl in a certain way with a certain amount, depending on which bowl as to how many fingers are out. Uh, and you're holding it so, and you're you're eating with your chopsticks paint pointing out, and you're so you don't offend anyone. Uh, Japanese uh, etiquette, and so at the end, in order to make it not only economically uh, workable, but just uh, just for the expedience of the whole situation, uh, we so that we can tie everything up literally, uh, we someone comes around at the end when you've completely cleaned out with a little. Um, uh, setsu uh, stick with a cloth on the end sometimes and sometimes people use little rubber tips clean out the end and eat all the particles then we come and pour hot water not too hot pretty hot if it's too hot it'll crack the the uh, what's that called lacquer yeah so it'll crack the lacquer on there and ruin it like it I think it did that on yours didn't it that lacquer popped off so Pour a little bit of water in there, and then you go ahead and pour from bowl to bowl and clean and wipe and dry and everything. And at the end, there's some water left. And then through in a very stylized way, a ritualized way, we actually drink that. We call it dishwater when it's really not dishwater. It's just water with food particles in it. So it's actually Zen soup. <laughs> drink some Zen soup. And we, what we project onto that because we have ideas. So it's really just the food you've been eating with some water in it. Yet, because we've scraped it and because it looks like, you know, you can come up with your own because. But, it, but we, it's, it's not, you know, literally not distasteful to people to have to drink their own dishwater. It's not dishwater. These aren't dishes. They're bowls. So it's bowl water. So therefore, it's Zen soup. Um, and Zen soup is, of course, another elaboration on something in order to what avoid what it what the parikalpata is doing. So it starts to get more and more and more. You keep adding and subtracting and trying trying to get away from the original situation is which is it's not separate. And why does that frighten us? Because if that's not separate, maybe I'm not separate. And we we want to be separate so we can so we can prevent any of the difficult things that are out there from getting to us. And we could also, when we find the beautiful, wonderful things, we can possess them, territory. Lots of ideas here could be said. So par, uh, Paratantra, dependently arisen, this happens, therefore that happens. This happens, that happens. Very simple. But uh, Paranishpana, uh, par, or rather um, Parikalpada, Parikalpada, this happens, and uh, you could, anything you add onto that, including Poor old guy can't make a very loud clap, you know, or anything. Add, add anything on you want. But just to, to, to actually see this happen and not know what it is, to see it and not know what it is, is how you approach the, the, the teaching of emptiness. It is empty because there's nothing happening there, uh, literally nothing happening that is separate from 
the, the one who sees the happening. So that, you know, it's like the happening and the happener. That doesn't work very good, is it? Happening, happening. The, the seeing and the seeing. The seer, the seer, and the seeing are not separate. We separate them all. We look at something, we look at everything, and we separate it. And if we try to do the other way around and say, we're all one, uh, this is just uh, baloney. That's baloney. So the, any statement about it is always separating. Even these words, that's why I say, don't believe anything I say. Uh, I, can't, I can't open my mouth but lie. I'm lying all the time. This is why it was so difficult for me, even though I had some insight into this 20 years ago. I, I couldn't talk about it uh, because I would start to, uh, and I would say, you're full of it. You're lying. You can't, you can't understand this. You're not, you're not saying what this is. takes a while to get over that. And I would highly recommend that you don't teach anybody about Buddhism unless you have to. Don't do it because you, you actually miss the last part of the five dharmas, which are, what is it? Things arise. We think up stuff. We know. We name it. We name it. Project onto it. And we project onto it. And what's the next two? You do correct knowledge, Buddha knowledge, or suchness. So there's either suchness. Or Buddha knowledge. Some people go through Buddha knowledge. In other words, they get it. They see it conceptually. This is what uh, Jeffrey Hopkins is gets you by the jowls, pulling you into this, <coughs> albeit with stroking your head with a feather, so you'll enjoy it. Uh, pulls you into this conceptual construct. With the idea that if you keep doing this, eventually it's going to occur to you: emptiness, suchness, thusness will occur, and then uh, others. Well, the, uh, happens the other way. They, they, they see the thusness. They see thusness. They see emptiness. And they're tongue-tied because they don't know how to know about that. Because when they start to know about that, they see they opt for some kind of polarity, some kind of filling up the, the suchness or filling up the emptiness with ideas about it. So unless, uh, unless you have realized no self, unless you actually have realized there is no self, and I make no claims about this old man, but I, I can say this much, and I know I know this to be true. Unless you realize no self, uh, you can't talk about it. Because if you start to talk about it, it'll be we've you'll be coming right back into relative truth because you haven't really realized it yet. You still have this little fishy feeling. There's somebody over here who knows stuff, and somebody over there who doesn't know anything. Fishy feeling. No, the Pisces in the room shouldn't take that personally. You know who you are. <laughs> so going from the, the uh, tree svabhava to the five dharmas, things arise, we name them, make up stuff about them, and then we, we either start to understand conceptually what this is, and get a pretty good understanding, a pretty good grasp of it. It's like uh, if you study uh, Vasubandhu. Vasubandhu is the conceptual, even out of the translations, but if they're good ones, when you read it, it gives you the feeling of knowing that. But then you notice when you stop reading it, you go right back to picking and choosing and fighting and arguing and projecting onto things and thinking some things are wrong and some things are right. And then you go back and read it, at least this is what's happened to me, go back and read about it. Yeah, yeah. This is, oh, I got to show this to, hey, Joe, come here. Hey, Melvin, 
You know any Melvins? Hey, Melvin, come here. Read this. I had somebody do that in 1961. Was it 61? 60? Yeah, 1960. I was in the Marine Corps, and I'm laying out, getting a, uh, trying to get a sunburn. <laughs> it was working. I'm laying there, and a guy next to me, I can't remember his name, but he had red curly hair, and he says, Hey, Brown. That was my last name. Hey, Brown. kind of that. Read this. And it was uh, Paul Rep's book, um, Zen Flesh, Zen Bones. And I don't remember which one of the poems or whatever, but they're all confusing. They're all uh, like anti-logic. So read that. What do you think that means? I said, I don't know. They all like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, that's kind of started. That was my first introduction to Buddhism. Um, But then later on, not then, but uh, later on, I was probably... uh, you know, starting to catch on reading uh, W. Y. Evans Wentz and Alan Watts was a good one to read and think and want to show your friends. Look what this said. Look what he says here. Look what... And then as soon as you put the book away, whew, it goes away. You read it again. So conceptually, you, you're getting that. And then you close the book and it, you know, it won't stay there. So what I'm saying is it has to be realized. Not a belief, not a disbelief. It's not an intellectual position. As, uh, wish I could come come up with some something more helpful or accurate to because if you see this uh, and 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 this is this has been seen this has been seen but but if you see this you can't you can't you can't really put it into words and to really realize that so it goes very very deep so there really is there's not there's no not a smidgen of anybody that left there. Uh, then you can talk about it. And then whatever you say is a dharma, all the time. Please disagree with me. I mean, when I say that, you know what I'm saying? I'm saying, help me go deeper into this. I don't mean disagree uh, like some kind of a ass. Or what's the other word for that? Dick. That's a good word. No, not dick. <laughs> Erase that. I, that, mean that. I meant to say dork. I just mispronounced it. That's not good either, though. Is it? Dumb bunny. Dumb bunny. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, somebody. I don't want to get in trouble with anybody. Yes, sir. Is what you're saying similar to the first part of the Heart Sutra? No. While practicing the deep. No. Form is emptiness, emptiness is form. The same is true of feeling, perception, concept, consciousness. Things are empty of what we impute. And if you see that, then uh, you don't even need the, you need the Heart Sutra if you want to talk to somebody about it, maybe. If you want to have somebody here practice this. This is why you you can you this can be realized without you don't have to have Buddhism. Buddhism is just a path. This could be realized in any spiritual path. I think it might be more challenging in others than it is in this one. This this one is actually the very nature of it is to awaken to no separation. So the first words, as far as we know, the first words out of the Buddha's mouth was, "Everything's dependently arisen. Every apparent thing is dependent." On everything else, where it's a pendant, uh, apparent, uh, interdependent, or, or um, singularity, the way I like to say it. Uh, if you if you realize this, you you're always wondering who's talking, no matter who's talking, whether you're talking, someone else is talking. There's, it's always kind of a kind of a just a light kind of a feathery curiosity about who, what is happening here, without any kind of the uh, investigation's gone. 
I'm not saying you don't look at it, but there's no there's no penetrating because there isn't any depth to anything anymore. Everything is right here. If things are not separate, then uh, the Pleiades, which are a long ways away from here, are right here. If you think otherwise, you're wrong. Unless you're right, in which case, maybe you should be up here. What? Not you. Not Cody. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Cody shouldn't be up here. Yeah, for a while. Go ahead. What do you mean there's no longer any depth to anything? You don't think there's something else. You, you don't, as you're here, there, wherever you're at, you don't think that there's something you're missing. That's uh, uh, Gyokuto, which hopefully she's watching. Gyokuto's uh, favorite wine, no, favorite complaint, favorite. I feel like I'm missing something. And I'm telling her, I'm her teacher, so she should listen to me, shouldn't she? Yeah. I say, you're not missing anything. She should, and, she, and instead of saying, you're just kind of going, not instead of doing that, she should be saying, Thank you, teacher. <laughs> <laughs> and, and at the same time, I'm saying, Don't believe anything I say. I'm not saying believe what I say, but don't, don't disbelieve it. Yes, that's why we said, that's why we said. That's why we said, when you find out what sitting is actually about, you're going to be in your sitting or somewhere sitting uh, uh, times that has nothing to do with the Han and Bell or anything else. You're just going to find, you're, you won't even have a thought, I need to go sit. You'll just find yourself sitting. You might be sitting, leaning in a chair, uh, leaning back with, uh, with a wall in front of you. Or you might just put a book down that you've been reading and just, you have, realization can come while you're eating eggs understanding about this and it's not it's not what we think it's going to be it's not something else it's this i sometimes can't believe i'm even able to do this oh, what are you guys doing here anyway <laughs> yeah uh is there like an ebb and flow to realization uh within realization yeah, anything happens yeah, anything can happen and if, and if I if I said I was realized, or if anyone says they're realized, a little fishy, because what they're what that person is doing is uh, joining with your pre presumption about realization. It's not that something isn't different, uh, but you you don't you uh, someone who understands this is very careful not to make claims about it because other people's tendency to project or paraculpata onto things is like it's like. Uh, it's like dryer lint. You know what dryer lint is? Comes out of a dryer. Very magnetic. It wants to stick to something. Like especially your um, clothes. Yeah. Especially your black clothes. That's why we wear black clothes. You knew that though. Because the lint shows up more, Michael. Yes. Shane from Texas. Yes. I'll get you in a minute. Uh, he has a two-part question. I'm not surprised. Part, part 1A and 1B. Would it be beneficial for you to force yourself to do other things you have an aversion to besides drinking Zen soup? And then the second part is, would that help one see that everything is empty of what you think? Okay, is? good question. I would, say, I would say if you're a meditator, if you've got a regular practice, if that's happening, then probably you can do that a little bit. I would, 
not do it too much. I would say if you're doing a lot of sitting, then you can do a few of those. But it's not so much about forcing anything. It's about as you're doing something, like the Zen soup, uh, as you're doing that, just notice what your mind does, how your mind comes up with stuff. Just notice when you're when an emotion comes up that you have no story for. And positive, negative, neutral. But let's, say, let's go with a negative. Negative feeling starts to arise. We have to think. We have to add something to it. We have to think of why it's happening, why it shouldn't be happening. How can it possibly have be happening? All I do is sit all the time. All the other little little thought balloons we put around everything that's occurring, adding, adding, adding. That was a um, I almost titled this morning's talk uh, "Add-ons" because there's just all kinds of add-ons there. Anything that occurs, do nothing. This doesn't necessarily mean stop thinking, but if it, if it just happens spontaneously, then that's fine. That's part of what's arising. I mean, it's an, an intimate part, but if it's not, uh, in other words, and in the same words, don't push. Is there more to that question? Joseph? Um, this is the Heart Sutra. According to their delusions, they call black as white. Um, you mentioned Alan Watts, and you see it like the, the thing that connected me with him was the honesty. That's what I felt. So, what is dishonesty? Thinking you're honest. That's just that's part of it. Thinking, thinking you're, thinking you're there. I'm, I'm at least I'm honest. Occasionally, you hear people say, "Let me be honest with you." They're beginning to lie as soon as they say that. And I don't mean it's like some kind of intentional kind of lie, but it's but it's one that actually shuts down on what is being. Some things can't be talked about without making up, without adding on, making up, and interpreting, interpreting. Interpretations are lies because they're representations of what you're talking about. So they're not the what you're talking about. You can't talk about what you're talking about without confusing or destroying or taking apart. What you're talking about. This is why in the several traditions, in particular the Zen tradition, like you say, they call black as white. They take something and flip it around. Uh, they, you know, like the the image of two arrows meeting in mid, mid air. Uh, two arrows, are, yeah, practically impossible, and it could happen, but it's practically impossible. But there's something about that image that helps you, if you reflect on it, it helps you see that it's beyond the relative kind of thing. Like when Coben was out and face uh, looking out of the ocean, he was with a group of people. And he was, as the story goes, as I recall it, he was uh, practicing Kudo, uh, Zen archery, I guess you'd call it. And he drew back and let the arrow fly, and the arrow flew over the top of the targets out into the water. And he turned around and said, "Bullseye!" <laughs> people laughed. So it's. Those are all relative kind of things. It's not that one isn't an actual bullseye center of the, but that's that's relative truth, and it's it has its value, it's relative, and it can be what useful, but it's not. But ultimate truth transcends the polar all the polarities, and this is why using the pair of polarities in order to use the polarities, which is the very nature of knowledge, is polarized uh, concepts, consciousness, and so on. In order to be able to use that, you have to understand that they're dependently risen, they're not separate. If you understand that, then what you express is coming out of an understanding of that, and it can't be necessarily contaminated 
by what? Hope and fear. I hope everybody likes what I'm saying. I fear that they don't. I hope every, I hope nobody can see how what a moron I am. You all know what I'm talking about. You all have some inkling of what that's about. You may have your own version that isn't exactly what I'm saying. That kind of kind of self-consciousness that is concerned about other people's ideas, opinions, and so on. Th th those are all dependently arisen. <laughs> uh, no, I can't call you that yet. I'm going to call you that eventually as soon as that whole thing happens. But right now, I'll just stick with Brad. I mean, David. <laughs> uh, what's, what makes fishy sticky? Hmm. Fish sticks. <laughs> well, fish stick. Fish are sticky. So, I know what you're saying. Or asking. I, I, feel, I feel that I do. I know. I know. How does it look to you? You, you used uh, the image there. Give me, a, give me a, a, an example of something like that, and then we'll talk about the stickiness. Give me an example of something fishy. Well, just something dishonest that just seems very grabbable, attainable, attachable. And? Simple. It seems that way? It can. And you're asking why is that sticky? Is it, is it narrow? What? <laughs> is it narrow? I lost the question. Yeah, yeah you lost me too. So <laughs> if it worked, you actually fooled me. <laughs> I thought you actually had a <laughs> You're not a Pisces, are you? <laughs> Trying to understand the fishy. <laughs> so, and I, I, your, your question, I, but that's, I understand what you're saying, but if you could, why don't you contemplate that a little bit, see if you can bring that into some conceptual area, because I, if I go in to address it, then I, I'll be just as vague as your question is. The question is vague, but I, I feel like uh, I, I have an idea of where that's coming from, and I think it could be elaborated a little bit. Here, Mike will help you. Is it fishy because it's based in knowledge? It's based in it's based in believing what you're saying. It's based in well, this is not, these are facts. That's why you hear me say in fact and in fiction because I know I can't speak the truth. I, I, there's no way I could do that. This is what stopped me for so many years from saying much of anything, yes? How can we communicate in the relative worlds without believing all the stuff we need? All you have to do is see that, all you have to do is see that you believe, and somebody at the door. So, uh, all you have to do is see that you believe, or know that, know that you're believing, know that you're attached to it. You don't have to stop it. The awareness that you're attaching, the awareness you're attaching, like when I'm talking, I have uh, phrase fillers, uh, like, you know, the common one that I pick on all the time, you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying? Like things that we interject to kind of give us a little bit more space to be able to think about stuff. I have several of them that I use, and I'm, I don't really, haven't really stopped. I might be able to stop, I don't know, but I'm not too concerned. What I am concerned about is being aware that I use them. You know, what is one of my phrase fillers? You, you, you've tracked those quite a bit. What's one that I use? And my wife, you must know. Does that make some sense? Sometimes after you say something, does that make sense? It up with a, I will. That's that's affirm what I'm saying. Yeah, that's a, that's a little fishy, and that that might be to because I'm trailing off into no man's land or no person's land, and don't know what to do, and so I'm looking for some kind of something. 
race fillers are always about getting a reference point. And they're quite often quite useless. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so this week we had quite an example of um, Parikopita, maybe, uh, in the political arena. Yeah. So as meditators, what would be a way to approach the, the hearings that many of us watched and, and the, the follow-up that is continuing? <clears throat> Uh, no belief. Don't believe them. Don't disbelieve them. And don't look away or sh shut it off or not even pay any attention or not look at it. But just, it's, it's far, because it's so complicated. Excuse me. So, and it's happening over there, so-called, and um, off in the distance. So things are rising. They're coming through different means of communication that were, weren't there even 50 years ago. And so we're, we're, we're actually seeing the, the inner structure. We're not just having someone's campaign slogans out there and then they leave and go away and then we see a bunch of laws get passed. Now we're actually kind of looking at the, the, I don't know if you'd call it the inner workings of that situation. And we're seeing what's, you know, how that gets kind of interesting the way people are uh, confused. All of them are confused in different ways. Yes. It, but it seems extremely polarizing. And so how how can we not get caught up in that polarization? The idea isn't to not get caught up in it so much as to see the way you are pulled this way or pulled that way and just watch that, just observe that. And don't, and don't necessarily add on uh, an idea that I shouldn't be getting or I shouldn't be. When you try to manipulate your mind to get your mind to live up to certain kinds of credentials of how the mind should be not attached, totally objective. Is that good enough? So it's always, you hear me say it over and over, I probably don't say it enough, awareness. It's about, it's about the space in which things occur. It's not about the actual occurrence itself. It is about the occurrence, but we, we, we tend to go for the occurrence. Well, he's lying. Well, that's just. Well, do you believe her? Do you believe him? Do you believe? Do you, do you what? Look what they're. Look how they're acting. Well, he didn't. She started doing. And he didn't do this. We just. We just follow the story, and we, and we trample on one part of the story and fluff up the other part. And it's not that there isn't some kind of a relative situation that might be softer than the other part. But if you jump onto that kind of warfare, you're you're actually creating its opposite. One of the obvious obvious examples is as soon as they uh, use politics, there's, uh, when the parties go back and forth, one makes it makes it really easy on themselves, and then when the other gets in power, then they take advantage of the of the easy um, structure that the other party left behind and try to take advantage of that. It just <laughs> it would be you know it's kind of, kind of kind of comical. So this is why it has, if it functions out of awareness, then then things can still go be successful and fail and people can live and die and all of that, but it doesn't come out of confusion. So therefore, it's a much more balanced situation. The, the, the idea of uh, warfare doesn't come uh, full-blown out of the, the, the suffering that's in one's, uh, whatever the chakra is, <laughs> out of your solar plexus, out into the world because where you're causing chaos in the world and then more chaos happens and more chaos happens. So this is why uh, we use the example uh, of the you know war, uh, peace uh, 
if you want peace in the world, peace in the you need peace in the nations, peace in the nations, peace in the cities, peace in the, in the cities, peace in the neighborhood, peace in the neighborhood, peace in the home, peace in the home, peace in the heart. It's a pretty good one, and this is what this is a, a little bit of lobbying for why it's so important to train the mind because uh, you can't train the mind if you're out in the neighborhood because you're you're caught in the web of Indra's web, the web of cause and effect. You're caught in it. And the only way to understand what that is is to back out of the web, back up a quarter of an inch, right up in, uh, to this cushion, sit down and train your mind by seeing the way in which you you keep getting attached to all these comings and goings, starting with your own thought patterns. Yes? Um, if I'm trying to communicate with someone and in the middle of talking I realize I'm not communicating what I'm trying to, just feels helpless. Yeah. Um, what is the communication that's taking place there? Are you receiving what is happening in front of you? Are you receiving what is happening inside of you? Are you thinking that what's out there and what's in here are two different things? And if you are, are you not only thinking that, but are you actually seeing that's true rather than adding thoughts to it? Are you seeing that what's in front of you and what's in here are not separate? And it's not some kind of super, you know, uh, metaphysical kind of uh, realization about, oh my, the world is not separate. I'm seeing that we're all one or something like that. Not something particularly fancy. It's, it's very practical. It's like, it feels like you're giving up, but you're not what you're sure what you're actually losing. A feeling, feeling of like giving up, but yet nothing's going away. A feeling like you're giving up, except you're totally there and totally present. You want something else. This is the second noble truth. First one is life is difficult, conflict, suffering, dissatisfaction. The second noble truth is we don't want that. We want things to be different than they are. Things are a certain way. We want something else. So it's a little Micronesia, but it's still, still an island in the Pacific. Tiny. Until you, until you get to it, and then it's a huge pile of dirt in the middle of water. Same, very similar thing. When you get to what what we're, we're what I'm endeavoring to refer to here, it's you really see this. This is ignorance. This is a big ball of dirt. It has to be seen. Yes. A uh, question from uh, Rusheen and Elk Rapids, and then we need to move. Mm -hmm. Rusheen. She asks, when I'm sitting, it is easier to feel my quote performance end quote. When I'm out in my day today, I get caught up in the labels and performance. Is there anything more to do here? Well, if you're still sitting the way you have been sitting, you're probably sitting enough, two or three hours a day. Um, since you asked the question in that way, Rusheen, I would say it's just a matter of continuing to train yourself to look at whatever's arising, either sitting without adding anything to it, or out in interchange with others. Just listen, just receive what's happening without adding anything to it. No, I got it, no opinion, don't add. But if you do add spontaneously, which is usually what happens, and what usually happens sitting, we, we tend to, put a little, let me just put this little bitty post-it note on there, real, one of the real tiny ones, where there's only room for one letter, M, M, you know what that means. Post-it note. 
So at least I've done, I've added a little bit. Now, I just wanted one little reminder to that big ball of goo that was that somebody was holding up in front of me and said, you made this. This is your problem. You're the one accusing of something. Or else a bouquet of flowers. And they're saying, oh, for me? And you haven't given them anything. If you don't follow what I'm saying, that's what I'm saying. That's it. It's that kind of a situation. Rusheen, don't add. And if you do add, then don't add to the adding. Because if you, if you add, and then it's, you're adding, and then you say, oh my gosh, I'm adding. And then you say, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm adding. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Just don't add. And it takes a while to see that you're adding without, without fiddling with it at all, without trying not to add. But once you've done it, then you, it's too late to try not to add. Uh, that, that little bitty no, or that big no, or that big donut, or that big don't, needs to come uh, w deeper, in a deeper area of the consciousness where, where things just start to turn up. They just start to move. And you can see, you can say no there because it's not conceptual. Train yourself to do that. When I say train the mind, I'm not talking about thinking. We do that when we, when we study at the, the concept, all these concepts that have been around for centuries. When I say train the mind, I'm saying train, train yourself to go deep into the consciousness to see how it works. So you can see where that, where that me, me, me feeling comes from. Because that's the issue, the mistaken, of all the things we've talked about, mistaken identity. Parikalpata means that you're imputing a self who is succeeding, failing, getting ahead, is a better meditator, a bad meditator, good in a relationship, bad in a relationship, having difficulty with negative feelings, overjoyed with positive feelings. <laughs> you're welcome, Rasheen. We need to well. Oh, yes. I should probably just say that. Like remind everybody about the donation. Yes, I can say Boxes in the hallway. We also still accept donations via PayPal. Debit and credit card. See Juju as our square. penetrating to all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way.